Hello and welcome to episode 143 of What Most People Think. And I hope you're enjoying this weather. Are you, are you sizzling in the weather? That's what happens, isn't it? Whenever we get warm weather in Britain, we have to resort to or default to tabloid language. Are you, are you sizzling, are you, in the heat? Are you basking in the heat? And there you go. It's what most people think. If you're uh, coming to this podcast for the first time, just a, a reminder, really, uh, for existing listeners, is that... Well, they, you know, a lot of people say that comedians are, are too left-wing. And, um, yeah, look, people have got to be how they're going to be. But I am prepared to dabble in the dark arts of centre-right thinking and, you know, sort of popular opinion, popular opinion. And I'm coming off the back of uh, Question Time last week, so I don't know if I have uh, any new listeners from there. I'll be giving you the gossip on that, actually. I'll be giving you the backstage gossip it's not a stage, really, is it? Back panel, gossip. Back panel just sounds euphemistic. Uh, but we talk about question time. I'll give you some uh, some inside info. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of subjects this week. We've got a poll about uh, voter priorities. A big poll for I think it's Redfield and Win. Win- it was from a polling agency. Uh, but it was about 4,000 people, so it's quite interesting. Uh, we're talking about booing the national anthem, uh, men's mental health, Eurovision, working from home. It's all going to crop up. And it is, as you can probably tell, it's just us this week. But I just just keep keep listening, all right? The solo episodes, I put more work into these, and generally less people listen to them. But I, I think, they, I think that they're the, pure, the purest form of uh, what most people think. And it, speaking of... Uh, pure forms of listeners is the patrons. These are the people that keep this podcast weekly and ad free. Because when the pandemic started, it was every two weeks, and then I went weekly, and people supported me on that. Uh, just just a note on that. A uh, big shout out to a VIP Patreon, Chris Covain. Chris Covain, who sounds like an Irish folk singer. Chris Covain, always in pain. Chris has hooked me up with a hotel for my gigs. Well, my gigs next week. This week in Scotland. So on Thursday night, I'm going to be in Glasgow at the Oran Moor. The Oran Moor. There's probably some really Glaswegian way of pronouncing that that I don't know. I mean, the great thing about Glasgow is there's so many different ways to say it. Right, you go Glasgow if you're me. Uh, if you're sort of from around the way, you go Glasgow. And then the real Glaswegian people go Glasgow. Glasgow. Uh, so I'm going to be in Glasgow, Glasgow, on Thursday, and then the following day, and this is where Chris has really helped me out, I'm in Melrose, which is, uh, I think it's officially in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, uh, I'm having to drive to it, because when we put the gig, uh, and this will make people probably in the area laugh, when we put it in, it just said Melrose, Scotland, I was like, you know, get the train, and you know when you do like a route planner, it basically... <laughs> It's a 10 hours travel. This is when I was originally doing it the day after Aberdeen. 10 hours travel, three trains, and then a cross-country bus. I went, fuck that. Uh, So I'm going to be driving. Don't tell Greta. And let's talk about the new patrons this week. We've got some great names here. Sam Moon. I don't know if you're related to Sam Imber, another one of these... uh, these little cute little fellas with their acoustic guitars singing about heartbreak at the age of 23. <laughs> That's always the thing. One of the things about getting older is just young people singing about having their hearts broken. You know what breaks my heart now? Uh, my mortgage. Uh, <laughs> Dan Maloney. Dan Maloney. Dan Maloney. That's your crime thr- thriller, right, aren't you? Dan Maloney. The latest book from Dan Maloney about it's set in 
Soviet era, East Germany. Yeah, it'd be one of those ones, wouldn't it? With a bit of history to it. Absolute catnip for blokes like me, where I go, well, I get to read a story and learn some more about history. Uh, if you do want to write to me, what most people think, uk at gmail.com. It's slowed off on the old emails there. I do enjoy responding to them, whether you, you're taking issue with something I've said in the show or personal problems. No, I mean, probably just because I rinse people, but I love hearing about personal problems. I remember the most epic one, was the guy whose wife had started farting in front of him. <laughs> and that that um, that prompted a debate which really opened up some old divides in the gender war. Uh, we got other new patrons, Rob DeBell. Is that a real name? Rob DeBell? Rob DeBell, you sound like, uh, like you did some work with Public Enemy in the 80s. Rob DeBell. Yeah, that's right, Rob DeBell. But while all the other 80s rappers went on and became really successful, Rob DeBell... Uh, he had other things to take care of, and he just ended up uh, owning a car dealership in Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> he kept the name, Rob DeBell. And then we got Gideon Tebbett. Gideon Tebbett. I mean, it's just, the problem with somebody being called Gideon is that you cannot conceive of a world where they're not massive Christians. And by that, I mean they're really into God and a bit of fat. I mean, it might be fat as well. A lot of people do go to church for the biscuits. Gideon Tebbett. Gideon Tebbett, or, or you, are you some sort of like, no, I know what Gideon Tebbett sounds like. You sound like some small village or hamlet in in weird part of like Shropshire. Yeah, I was just passing through Gideon Tebbett, actually. They've got a really lovely coffee shop there, but you never know which day it's going to be open. I hate it when people talk about shops and quirky shops. I think this is the reason why chains have become so popular everyone just slags them off don't they oh there's gentrification all the high streets look the same yeah but you know what you're getting from a costa or a near road do you know what i mean like they don't suddenly just go we're we're shutting at 3 p.m today this is is, when you look at uh, i think we discussed this with dominic frisbee by the way that episode is still uh available and dominic uh, last week's episode said a lot of very smart stuff about money so do have a listen to that and we had a laugh along the way but we, we talk about was it, did we talk about about hotels, about chain hotels? And I'm a big lover of uh, travel lodges. And 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 because before that, do you remember what you, where you used to have to stay? Some weird fucking guest house where they tell you that breakfast is at eight thirty, and you go, "All oh, right, okay, I'll probably be down about nine. They go, "Breakfast is at eight thirty. Just at eight thirty. You're there, and there's breakfast. If you're not, it's not." Although, in fairness, those places they stuck with marmalade. <laughs> unlike a lot of places that just moved on from Marmalade. I never moved on from Marmalade. But on, on the note of my love of travel lodges, I've got to say last week, uh, the night before question time, uh, I treated myself by staying into one of, the, in one of the finest, for my money, one of the finest travel lodges in the country, and that is Travel Lodge uh, Farringdon. Then there's a few around there. The Travel Lodge Farringdon is next generation travel lodge. It had... It just had, I mean, the, the design of the rooms was really up to date. And, and, and most importantly, it was like the Bellagio of travel, <laughs> the Travelagio, <laughs> doesn't work. Um, Kit Kats, they had two Kit Kats in the room. So I may never, if Travelodges stick with this, I may never again find myself decanting uh, tiny, tiny cartons of uh, UHT milk into a cup to drink it. The main talking point from the Dominic Frisbee episode uh, and Dominic was talking about quantitative easing. And uh, David says, between April 2020 and July 2021, the Bank of England's money printing programme, creating new money to buy up government debt, uh, matched 99.5% of total new debt. 
issued by the government for COVID support schemes like furlough. Um, that's incredible, really. I mean, one thing that stands out about that is why not just do the lot, lads? 99.5%. What have they thought there? Is like, look, if if we do 100, it's going to look like we've gone slightly overboard with this. But let's just stick it at a, a, a nice, modest 99.5%. I mean, the thing about quantitative easing and the money printing is obviously, you know, you find out more about the world as, as you get older. But when I was a kid, that was like... That was like the standard, you know, the the lad in your GCSE sort of geography or history class that had um, discovered cannabis too early. And you know those boys, I mean, there was a kind of boy that discovers cannabis too early. I think he discovered 18, but it just, if for some reason, lads that started smoking weed at about 14, it's like they all, they just remain forever stoned. And they would say stuff like that, wouldn't they? They'd go like, yeah, but why though? Why can't we just print money? And everyone in class would go, fuck, this guy's a philosopher. Um, <laughs> and they would say stuff like in RE, yeah, but religion, there's a God, yeah? Why would people be sad? <laughs> you go, yeah, I can't argue with that, you know? But then you think, well, what's the fucking alternative to that? Just a, a weird kind of euphoric existence day to day where you wake up just whistling zippity doodle out of your arsehole from first thing, and then it would just be almost like, it'd just be too happy, you know what I mean? It'd be like, it'd just be like, just having an orgasm all the time. On Like, that that feeling would start to be not good. Um, have you seen that? There are there are people that have that. Like, it's a condition where people would just suddenly, randomly have an orgasm. Or as I described the male orgasm in my tour show, you look like you've been tasered. <laughs> Men do look like they've been tasered. So I need your support. If you go to Patreon, uh, What Most People Think... Or, or just type in Jeff Norcott and you can set it up for there. And there's loads of free content. It's not free, evidently. It's the fucking opposite of free. But exclusive content. Two of my last two stand-up shows, um, radio shows that I've done monthly. Oh, actually, there's going to be a video. I'm a bit late putting this up, but there's going to be a video this week of a recent online gig I did uh, going up. And so that's my thank you this week. My thank you is to the patrons for this perverse way that we do this show. And uh, I appreciate that. The fuck you is slightly more controversial and more likely to generate letters. Hey, Liverpool fans, you know, you're, uh, you're kind of known for reacting to stuff. If I criticise Liverpool... Uh, is the Liverpool fans booing um, the national anthem? I mean, first up, abide with me. What the fuck are you booing abide with me for? I, I, I guess I would say... So this is what, if you don't know, the FA Cup final... Traditional thing that obviously there's the the anthem or the hymn of the FA Cup, which is I mean it is let's be honest slightly fucking weird that a football match has its own hymn, but you know it's it's this is uh, this is England. There's weird stuff that we do, public events that doesn't make much sense, right? It's like at weddings you always have that one. Um, what's that one? Love, love is not kind, love is not judged, love is not yeah. You go yeah, all this stuff is going to come unstuck for years in the marriage, but let's all nod along now and go yeah, love is. It's like love does fucking judge, all right? <laughs> it's basically, it's, it's, it's a bit from the Bible that describes unconditional love. And you think, yeah, from from the fucking guy that the moment his greatest creation, an apple, he, he, he lobbed them out of the Garden of Eden forever. Do you know what I mean? Not even like a two strikes thing. Um, but now I sound like the geezer from GCSE RE. Like, yeah, if love, yeah, is unconditional, why was God such a wanker? Um, <laughs> um but yeah, so the Liverpool fans, they booed Abide With Me, you know, why, why bother? You know, and then they booed the National Anthem. All right, fair enough, I get it. 
being a scouser is like being a brand, isn't it? There's lots of stuff you have to do. You got there's certain papers you're not allowed to buy. It's a way of being being a scouser, isn't it? It's a brand. Scouse not English. All right, fucking scouse not English, man. I don't, I don't really see myself as English. You know, see myself as scouse. Says a bloke mate of yours that's never lived in Liverpool. And, and of course, plenty of people... And yeah, first up, not all Scousers. Obviously, there have been a lot of Scousers at the game that didn't believe of these things and at home. But let's say it, a, fair, a fair number did. And I thought, all right, oh, good for you. right? You, you're that opposed to being English. I want to see video footage of you during the Euros when we beat Germany. How not English did you feel when Harry Kane scored that second goal and you knew that we were going to beat Germany 2-0 in knockout football? Show me that fucking video. Of you like stacking it as your mates all flinging beer in your face, yeah, and then you just just crying with joy, hugging men you didn't even know. That that is that's scouse, not English. If you just stood stony faced doing that, then fair fucks to you. Fair fucks. I think you know, Liverpool, you know, a lot of people from Liverpool do give it the big end about the scouse not English thing. So Brexit from England. That's my advice. Show us you mean it and do a Brexit from England. Okay, I've been triggered the uh, only four Liverpool fans uh, in my fan base. Let's get on to this week's big first subject, which is this huge poll which was conducted by Redfield and Whitfade, whatever the fuck. Okay, so the reason I wanted to talk about this is this is called What Most People Think, and it's very rare that you get a, a poll like this which... Um, which sort of demonstrates attitudes across such a broad spectrum, uh, spectrum of opinion. And it was about voter priorities, right? And I just thought we'd go through a few of these and, and, and kind of see how this compares to the perception of the British public that you get if you're lurking around on social media all day, right? So as you'd expect at the moment, uh, for 46%, uh, so I think people could choose a couple of subjects here, right? Um, 46% cost of living, right? We, we know that because, well, one thing I do think about the press is that they've gone in very hard on the idea that, you know, the press have to go in extreme. So it's we, no one's got any money. That's it. We're all fucking, we're all against the wall. And of course, plenty of people are fortunate that even though their outgoings have gone up, they have enough leeway between their income and their outgoings to still have a good life. So for, and, and it, it sort of brings to mind something that I've thought about as a consequence of question time, as well as sort of, you know, having a, a pop about at the Conservative MP, Suela Braverman, about uh, why aren't the Conservatives cutting tax, in particular VAT. I, I mean, it's an emergency rate of 20%. That's a fifth, isn't it? That's such an aggressive figure for the government to be taking. That's, that's a proper kind of like vigilante, or not vigilante, like a crime syndicate. Uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to take a fifth. What? Fifth? Just, yeah, we're, we're going to add that on. Uh, we're going to take, what, you got a fucking problem? You want to do business in this town? Fuck you. Um, so the Conservatives need to look at VAT. Um, but Labour, it's amazing how much positive press that they're able to get at the moment generally. All right? There's not much scrutiny on the fact that Labour don't really have any policy positions. But wanging on and on and on about windfall tax. And it's like, it's like fucking Chesney Hawks with his I am the one and only. You're like, all right, anything else? Any other taxes? I mean, you've mentioned that the Tories have raised 15 taxes. I still haven't heard exactly which ones those were. But go on then. Which taxes are you going to cut? They're like, oh, no, no, we never, never said we're going to cut taxes. We're just saying, look look at these ones that they have raised. 
Okay, it feels like if you're making that point. But anyway, all right, windfall tax. How, and this was the point I made on question time, is how does that um, help people with ongoing higher prices? That's a one-off, isn't it? It's a win on a scratch card. It's a good win on a scratch card. Has anyone fucking, has anyone ever met anyone who won proper money on a scratch card? Or, here's one that you never meet anyone that's done well on, is those, um, you know when they raffle off those sports cars at airports? <laughs> No one's ever won that fucking Ferrari, have they? You just think the hassle it must take getting a Ferrari, uh, Ferrari, the hassle it must take getting a Ferrari into an airport departure lounge. They must go, by the way, uh, no one's ever fucking winning this. But yeah, they just keep going. Uh, windfall tax. Did we mention uh, the windfall tax? Yeah, it's this policy. We've got the windfall tax. And yeah, it's popular. And yeah, the Conservatives probably could do it, really, and not dissuade too much investment if it is um, seen to be a one-off. But it doesn't provide ongoing answers. The next one was the uh, 34% was the investment in the NHS. Uh, it, you know, it, I mean, one, it doesn't really clarify which of these people think it needs more money. I would guess that would be the majority. People always think the NHS needs more money. How much, how much money should the NHS get? More. How much more? 20 billion a year? Uh, more. How much? Don't know, just more. Always more for the NHS. And maybe, I don't know, maybe what, of that 34%, maybe 7% we're thinking, maybe it gets too fucking much. <laughs> maybe we should spend it better I mean, it's always the frustration about discussing the NHS is that if you have any questions about it it's seen as an attack on free healthcare but you go yeah there's other countries that have free healthcare but seem to do it a lot better I mean you look at the percentage of GDP that Britain spends on uh, the our health service and yet we have way way less doctors per head than uh, France or Germany why is that? I don't know is it badly spent? is it the government's fault? Do we pay doctors a lot in this country? How much do doctors get paid? Not enough. <laughs> it's just, it's just. What, what should the government be doing on everything? More. <laughs> how much should we have to pay in tax? Less. I mean, I definitely agree with the second bit. Twenty uh, percent of people uh, thought that we should be. What? Well, the question was, what if anything should be done about the environment? Um, it's a strangely put question, but twenty percent of people. I guess this suggests that twenty percent of people see it as up there with the, their priorities. You would think, wouldn't you? Again, this is probably the first one that diverges from social media. If you would think, if you based it on all the celebs that spend their life tweeting, um, do I get to do that accent? I don't know. Um, the, I don't know why I picked that accent. Suddenly went to a dance hall accent. Do I let celeb that spend their life tweeting? That was, <laughs> Uh, yeah, Beanie Man's come back and he's a massive environmentalist. What most people think. Uh, 17% of people felt that how to handle refugees crossing the English Channel was a big priority. And again, that could cut two ways, couldn't it? There could be people for right from the more sort of populist right element going, get the gunboats out. Uh, to some people going that we should actually be just laying on speedboats, you know, safe passage, hashtag. Uh, neither of which are obviously realistic ways of managing this situation but that was that was quite high i thought as higher than i expected uh 16% of people thought it was how much the state pension should be increased by and i would guess that that 16% of people well you know some silver tops in and amongst that put it this way i think a lot of them would have classed minder as one of their favorite tv shows of all time uh 14% of people went for mental health so if you deal with all the other stuff uh, you'll probably help with that. I think a lot of people's mental health problems at the moment are coming from anxiety and fucking fear about the economy and the state of the world and the fact you can't get doctor's appointments and the fact that Vladimir Putin is going to nuke 
By the way, just on the the Vladimir Putin thing, is he? He's mentioned nukes too often, has he? To for any of us to take it seriously. I mean, I remember in the eighties. I don't know why, but we did we did think it was genuinely a possibility. But now he's going. Well, just sort of mind we could flatten London in seconds, and we're like, okay. I mean, we are almost at the point of Santa Vladimir Putin come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Just and then and then if he does nuke London, we go fair play. He's, uh, he doesn't fuck about. He meant it. Twelve um, percent of people, uh, their priority was Britain's future relationship with the EU, which just shows the show, doesn't it? I mean, fucking hell! Like the way that this gets debated and by political column- commentators and columnists uh, is not a very high up the priority list for people in the real world. And then drugs. And trans, you know, legalisation of uh, drugs and trans issues came way down the list at about 5% each. And again, that's a big sign of, of the disconnect between social media and the real world. Interestingly, um, 23% of people thought Ukraine was a priority, uh, but only 5% thought increasing defence spending was important. Uh, you know, that is, a, that is an example. And this is where I, I, I don't always climb in completely on politicians because the British public have got... A great ability to go, yeah, we need to do more for Ukraine. And uh, yeah, we, but with exactly the same size army that we have now, which is already reduced in size because I don't want my taxes to go up. So we need to reduce tax, but do more for Ukraine. I've just realised that is exactly the point I'm making. I'm a prick. Okay, just a quick brief break here to hype some stuff. Uh, obviously, the paperback of the book is out and selling pretty well. I've got tour shows, not many left, as I say, this Thursday in uh, Glasgow and then Friday in Melrose. I don't know, does it have an accent? I don't know. And the following week, Thursday, I'm at uh, Maidenhead for my third date there at this tour. Then on the Friday, I'm at Spalding, the, uh, the South Holland Arts Centre. No, fuck, I've got this all the way, all the way around. It's Friday, I'm at Maidenhead. Saturday, I mean, Spalding, and then the final date of the UK tour proper, which is Wimbledon Theatre, man. Do me a solid, get yourself to Wimbledon Theatre. It's going to be a good night. I'll be going for a beer afterwards uh, over the road. Maybe Hillary will come. And then, of course, a reminder that uh, my Edinburgh Festival tickets are now on sale. This will be the last chance to see this tour show. I'm going to be up at the Edinburgh Fringe from the 14th to the 28th of August. And no doubt, getting fucking snotty teenagers from student rags coming along and just giving me a three-star and going, yeah, we've heard it all before. You go, no, you haven't. Okay, so, you know, one of the benefits of listening to this podcast is I do the odd thing, don't I, on telly, and I can give you a little bit of uh, inside info on it. Last Thursday, I did question time, and it had been put in the diary a while ago, but they were a bit late confirming because they have to get the kind of, you know, the chemistry of the lineup right and all this stuff, which probably means, we're you know, wait to see if a bigger name than you comes along, Jeff. Uh, but then it was confirmed on the Tuesday, and I have to say, like, the moment you know you're doing question time is not a great moment. You just It's happened every single time that I've done it, that on the day, the morning of doing it, I've sort of been hoping that I'll be in a light car crash. And I, this is not, no disrespect to anybody that's been in car crashes, but it's just one of you just thinking, what random event could get me out of this? Um, and then what they do is they re- release the lineups the night before on social media. And of course... Uh, I get the phrase comedian because it says comedian and political commentator Jeff Norcott. And then I've got to say, look, I don't care if you're left wing or right wing or the people, the comics that annoy you are left wing, right wing or fucking uh, millennials or gen- I don't, just 
just stop with the whole comedian in inverted commas thing. It just it doesn't say anything because objectively that person is a comedian. If their income is derived from or on their passport, you know they, they are they they are a comedian. And when comedians get annoyed about this, it's not because it hurts us. It's because it's so fucking stupid. I mean, one of the ones that you get is uh, inverted commas comedian, which I always think. Well, that's basically quoting someone. So when you're saying comedian in speech marks effectively, you're sort of supporting the idea that we're a comic by giving evidence of someone else who's uh, echoed that fact. I just think, say something fucking hurtful about our comedy. If you want to get to us, take the time to really deconstruct our comedy. You know, if, if I was going at me, I'd say, oh, yeah, yeah. Jeff Norcott doing his comedy. See if he can get a laugh out of politics without making some sort of analogy. Um, then I'll go, wow, this geezer's on to me. Um, and then we, they saw in the lineup that Sebastian Vettel was on. And it's quite funny because in the graphic, like the, the, the JPEG that they released, the photo, image, I don't know, uh, it said four times uh, Formula One world, world champion. And then somebody pointed out mine, said comedian and former English teacher. But then you go along to the gig. And but weirdly, there's a weird thing when you get to doing it. It's almost like the bit where the the safety harness for the roller coaster comes down. You go, well, look, I'm going to ride this fucking roller coaster now. And you meet uh, in the green room and everyone's everyone's nervous too. So you're kind of bonded by that a little bit. Um, and it, there's been some talk after the show about whether or not uh, this, this audience, so it was in Hackney, whether or not it was a representative audience. Because it's fair to say that the Tory MP and uh, Attorney General, Suela Braverman, uh, got a hard time from the audience. I mean, the first question is, is whether or not it's representative of the country or whether or not it's representative of Hackney. <laughs> I think if it's representative of Hackney, if anything, it wasn't left-wing enough. Instead of being like 80-20, it should have been fucking 95-5. But the... Um the warm-up question, I, I thought that it was, it wasn't, so I would say that the audience were probably about 70 to 30 or 75, 25 left-wing, right-wing. Um, but the 75% that were left-wing were very agitated and, you know, they wanted to have their say, very angry, very young. I mean, I looked out into the audience and I saw my kryptonite as an audience member. This is a kind of person that I just think I can tell instinctively hates me. And it's basically a middle-class white woman in her early 20s who's attractive, right, wearing, like, very bold print colours, maybe, like, dungaree-type fucking jumpsuit or something, bandana, you know, like, big earrings. And there was just... I could just tell that I'm just the kind of guy they think is just the worst guy. You know the kind of guy where they make that noise that modern girls make, like, ugh, 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 ugh. Um... So I looked out in the audience and thought, okay, this could be a bit spicy. And um, normally they do a warm-up question and just to get everybody loose. And the the Tory got kind of booed in the warm-up question. And I thought, fuck me, this is gonna be this could be a long night. The only other time I've ever seen that before was when I did a question time in, in uh Barnsley. And it was the night after Nicky Morgan had had voted against the government. It was the first you know defeat of many that the government eventually had on uh, Brexit. And uh, it was the warm-up question was like, you know, should we legalise cannabis? You know, just light-hearted sort of thing. And she started talking to this guy's way. You shut up, Morgan. You don't know what you're talking about, love. You did fuck. You you should you stick to what you know. <laughs> I thought that's the warm-up question, and it was a bit like that um, in uh, in Hackney the other night. 
And then, you know, as the night went on, it became clear that it was going to be a very tough night for Suela Braverman. There was one moment that was interesting where, you know, on the Northern Ireland uh, protocol, where there was a guy who was very, you know, I guess he's what would call, people would call a gammon. He was very, I mean, like proper 1980s London. He was like, yeah, yeah, man, those voices that Cockneys have, you know, when they just sound like they're on their last breath every time they speak. Yeah, so what well, I don't understand is bad. We all know Northern Ireland's part of Britain. It's fuck us, it's fuck off, it's ours. And then, um, and I, so then this gets shared a lot on social media because this is exactly what they want, isn't it? Look, white men of a certain age, right wing men, Brexit men, they're all fucking ignorant like this guy. And then they share it because it proves their point. Um, and and then, you know, it's sort of missed out that a couple of moments after that, another white guy who voted Conservative and voted Leave corrected him. Guess who? Me. But no, 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 that doesn't fit the narrative. Never trust the carefully clipped social media video, guys. But as the record went on and I saw how hostile the crowd were being, I sort of thought, are we at a point here where the level of hostility and bile to the Tories is proportionate, right? Because obviously there's been a lot of bad stories and stuff, but they, you know, the media have really, as I said in previous podcasts, now party politics is just a constant feed. It's the biggest part of the news every single night. And ever since, particularly since COVID, you know, once we had that PPE story started, it's just been in the curtains. Remember the curtains, Matt Hancock? You know, it just, it's been a constant stream right and then Partygate obviously accelerated that exponentially and all of these things the Tories have questions to answer but are we at a point where there's a complete imbalance compared to compared to the stuff that they've done well have we reached that point and that's why these young these youngsters now feel so morally emboldened because they're just fed a constant drip drip of I guess normally things that the Tories have said rather than the things that they've done usually and I ask this because of Eurovision weirdly is that we did well, and we got uh, we got the old douze points, douze points, Royaume-Uni, Royaume-Uni. I've never understood that about countries, how like countries get renamed by other countries. So we we like, um, you know, the first time we go over there, like, uh, who are you? Who's the fuck are you? And we're like, we're, we're the United Kingdom. They're like, ah, Royaume-Uni. What the fucking Royaume-Uni? I just told you, United Kingdom. It's like in Scotland. It's uh, Scot- uh, France. Scotland is called Lecos. You know, no, Scotland. They're like, ah, we shall call you Lecos. So like over here, we call Germany, Germany. And then Alemania, Deutschland. It's, it's very strange. It's very strange. But we got a lot of do's points, right? Partly because the guy did a good song. I think also partly because he was smart enough to uh, look like a Dutch guy from the late 70s. Every time that geezer spoke, was it Sam something? They're all called Sam these days. I, I thought he was going to go, hey, it's great to be here uh, representing uh, Wyoming, guys. And he just looked like a really fun dude. Hey, he wants to smoke some weed. Uh, and, and, and it was quite obvious, I think, where there's been a sea change in attitude to this country is partly, partly, we can't quantify this, but because of Ukraine. What we've done is we've taken a very strong lead there, provided real military support and sort of led the European response in a way Right, a lot of Remainers now throwing shit at their podcast. If I no, 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 um, but I, I do think there is something we've done well, and and I guess that it hasn't had much coverage there. We've seen it repeatedly from Zelensky himself. His gratitude is 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 you know very high towards Royaume-Uni, 
And yeah, we've seen the Ukrainian people, the approval rating for Boris is very high. I mean, we've got all this evidence and we haven't stopped to think this is a very historic thing that's happening and we're doing well. And that in the world of social media is traded off against, well, Jacob Rees-Mogg said something a bit arch or he had a weird photo of himself without a laptop in it and he was being a bit Victorian or Michael Gove was on telly again looking like he's, uh, well, like he might have had a, a late night slash early morning. You go... Yeah, but, you know, that's still what people say rather than what the government are doing. And on the big stuff, you know, if you look at Brexit, you know, the I mean, not necessarily how the deal's working out now, but just just getting that done. I mean, you forget what it was doing to the country to be in that constant state of flux. You know, the pandemic didn't start well, but then the rollout of furlough, the vaccine rollout, you know, giving us our freedoms back sooner than other countries, Ukraine. These are these are the things that will be discussed in history. I always already realised this is such a pro-government stance, this is going to get clipped up and shared on conservative home website, but these are the big things that have happened in the recent past, okay? Not to say that Matt Hancock grabbing someone's arse wasn't relevant. It was relevant and it was it was hilarious and one of the best <laughs> the best things that's ever happened in politics. You know, party gate, yes, I was, you know, very angry at the time. I still still pissed off about it, but these aren't the things that are going to be discussed in history, okay? It will be governments and how they reacted to the big things of today. And, you know, I just I, I just think that that is maybe where this hostility comes from, is that for a while the right also joined in on the hostility with Boris and it suddenly felt like everyone felt the same way. I think that the public have gone back to and have sort of factored in their reaction to the Tories under Boris Johnson and gone, all right, that's who they are. You know, they're not spending every day fucking frothing at the mouth about it. But social media again, has gone in a different direction. One thing about Vettel, he's a nice guy, Sebastian Vettel, and um, he, you know, he, but there's one thing he said that got a really good response that, that I did take issue with slightly, was they were talking about the Northern Ireland Protocol, and um, and he was kind of going, well, you know, and he was being very polite, but then he said, well, you know, Britain's made their bed, they've got a lie in it. And then obviously this very left-wing, very Euro sort of, Europhile, went, laughed and clapped and... That clip got shared by Alistair fucking Campbell. It's like this, 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 this man, this, this articulate, sensitive young man, and like so much stuff with social media. Why don't you just say this guy that said what I think? You know what I mean? How much of it, and I benefit from this too, is people go, "But well, this guy, this guy's got his head screwed on. You're very articulate, very well thought out." And you go, he just, he just agrees with you. That's all that's happening here. And I, you know, and I thought, I thought, well, yeah, like. Britain does have the right to try and renegotiate this. Truthfully, we knew coming out of Brexit that there were things that we'd need to come back to, but there is provisions, because this is the most boring thing I've ever said on the podcast, but Article 13.8 that says that you can enter into renegotiations if a superior arrangement is possible. Now, you've both got to agree on that, and the EU will see Northern Ireland as leverage. But as I said on Question Time, should you be leveraging? I mean, I get it, they were within their right to do it, but it's Northern Ireland, man. You know, it's pretty contentious stuff and leverage in a position because they want to get some win on fucking fishing quotas i just wonder if that's one area where that shouldn't be happening um and look i overall i was if you look at the abuse that you expect to get going on question time I, that was a win for me which was i would say only 80 percent of the tweets about it were they weren't even that abusive this time but what happens on question times if you say anything nuanced right so if you say, on the one hand this, on the other hand that, 
people go, what, what the fuck? I don't know, what is this guy talking about? Where do, I, where do you clap? Whereas if you go, can I just say this, 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 and some more this, everyone will clap. But there was one moment where I genuinely, so I didn't expect to get many, I, got, I think I got a couple, I got one clap and a couple of laughs and that, trust me, that is not bad going for question time. And by the way, just a point, when people talk about going on question time and they say, oh, he wasn't very funny, wasn't very funny on question time, you go, what the fuck do you think is possible that I'm just going to walk there, walk out there and go, now then, now then, now then, hey, hey, what you call two Lib Dems in a bath? Yeah, most of them, come on, hey, my wife, my wife voted remain. Uh, <laughs> I just... <laughs> It's really, it's really tempting to carry on speaking like that. Hey, you at the front, mate, from the Green Party. What are you going to do? Fucking fight a war with compost? Fuck off. Um, the, but I did go for a clap at one point. I did go for a clap. And it was really embarrassing because I made a point about... We were talking about Partygate and I sort of made the point that, you know, the culture didn't compare. What happened at number 10 was bigger than beer gay, but equally I didn't necessarily uh, agree that um, Keir Starmer's contention that, you know, that it, we paused for food. Well, for 80 minutes, Keir... And then in the end, I just said, you know, I'm sick of it. You know, I don't really want to hear anything with the word gate in again of we've got bigger fish to fry. But when I said that gate, I don't want to hear anything with the word gate again. For some reason, I forgot this audience were really militant and left wing. And it was just Fiona Bruce seemed to think there might be an applause. Absolute fucking silence. And of course, all these lefties are, yeah, we want to talk about gate thing because that's one of our main ways of keeping hostility against the government. But uh, but yeah, if, if you want to know... Like what? What? How that feels is so fucking embarrassing because you kind of. I, I managed to get in a joke afterwards about Wagger for Christie, but the as, literally as you're hanging in that moment of silence, you can just see some prick with the username JC JC Forever hashtag Son of Len McCluskey just clipping that bit up and just playing some fucking really sad music on it. And I've got to be honest, when I went on Twitter and saw someone hadn't done that, I thought, I think the left are losing their touch. Just a quick letter here, and this will come into the realms of men's mental health. Uh, This is from Craig from Tiverton. Is that even... That just sounds like some fucking made-up place from Paw Patrol or something. Uh, Craig from Tiverton says, Jeff, I listen to Catherine Ryan's podcast as well as yours. Of course, absolutely, as you should. Kath's podcast is excellent. In a recent episode, she basically made the point that men are more likely to get overwhelmed by their domestic arrangements than women. Uh, Do you think this is fair? Um, Well, first up, it's Catherine Ryan. You know, she's, uh, she's my patriarch. She's my mentor. Uh, she's she's pretty she's pretty savvy about men. I would say this because I, I, I listened to that episode as well, and and I thought that's interesting. Men get overwhelmed. They, I think there's that question of are women are just able to withstand more? Maybe yeah. I suppose what men don't do is talk about things on an ongoing basis. So women women will have when it comes to uh, I was going to say the word complaining and moaning. That probably isn't the right word to use, but when getting stuff off their chest. Women have got ways of doing that on an ongoing basis, right? So they'll just see their friend and they'll fucking moan about their fella. They'll moan about their fella. They'll just say, oh, fucking, fuck you know, they'll just get it all off on an ongoing basis. Whereas men, I don't know, most of the blokes I know, we see it as a very disloyal and treacherous thing to do, to moan about your wife to other people. And I don't know if that's some comradely thing or shit from playing team sports or being in the trenches back in the day as I don't do any of those things now. But... But so I, I think that what happens with men is, is shit builds up, you know, and then builds up over time. You, you're so busy burying stuff 
you've got all these little fucking hernias that you're cultivating. <laughs> and then one day, like, just something will happen. You go, fuck, I don't know what I'm fucking Too much fucking noise in here. I'm going out. I'm going to stay at Travelodge for a week. And then something, what the fuck happened there? What the fuck? I'm going to go and gamble all the money. I'm going to go and see a fucking prostitute. And you're like, whoa, whoa, fella, just back up. And that is one of the problems with the male approach is it can be dignified and noble to just withstand stuff and think, well, you know, it won't help if I start whinging as well. I'm not saying women whinge, but you just kind of... But the problem is for women who psychologically will do that, it can come as a real shock when you just turn one turn around one day and freak uh, the fuck out. So I, I don't expect men and women to become completely different, but... You see it sometimes as well, don't you? Like when you see couples going on a holiday, it, it does seem like the guy that you see be at an airport and there'll be a guy standing outside the airport just trying to vape his way into a stupor. Uh, and you can just see the whole concept of moving the family like that stresses him out to the point where he's sort of withdrawn into a kind of self-induced K-hole. Whereas the woman is stressed as well, but she's very present, she's in the moment. If anything, she's a bit too on top of things. She's fucking telling him off, getting there, wiping the kids, offering them shit when they don't even need it. I guess what I'm saying is that men and women are a bit different. Okay, that is the end of this week's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I do enjoy doing the solo one. So I want to keep the podcast building. If you think there's anybody here that would like this, it doesn't have to be lefties or righties, just people that appreciate com- topical type comedy that's coming from another angle, uh, do uh, do recommend it if possible. And we'll be there. We've got another guest interview one next week. Um, just uh, if you leave reviews, please leave five-star reviews anywhere you can from this podcast. It all helps keep it moving. Uh, I can only access the ones on iTunes, so I'll read them out now. And let's try. This guy's called Fat Face Penguin. Hey, Fat Face Penguin. Let's, uh, we spelt my name with a J, so this is triggering. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you the worst accent possible. Brummy. I'm. I'm jo- <laughs> Top banter makes me laugh. Jeff nails it every time. Um, or we could do. You no, know, we got the cool version of Brummy now, which is uh, the Peaky Blinders one. We could do it like. Um, to Arthur, sub banter makes me laugh. Jeff nails it every fucking time. Come on, Tommy. Um, what have we got here? Um, this one is from Obi Wan Kenobi. I've been listening since the beginning of the pandemic. Oh no, so you put since a the beginning of a pandemic. Uh, during this time, I've had a lot to think about my political allegiances and why I believe. The one thing I've found myself becoming is a political nomad. And I think this podcast is for a lot of people who sit on the centre, potentially with toes on either side. And he goes on to say other nice things. Thank you very much for that. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, hello there. Uh, this one's from D7T7, who just says, Get Angela fucking Rainer on. Get fucking Angela Rainer on. Um, yeah, I, yeah I'd, love, I'd love to speak to Angela Rainer. But I think, I think for that, you're going to want to go to Matt Ford's excellent podcast. And that is that is it for this week's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, a special thank you, as ever, uh, to the patrons. But look, if you're listening and you're recommending it, you're doing me a favour. Have a great week. Sizzle in the sunshine and quaff. There's another word from the tabloids to end it. Quaff lots of cool drinks to keep you uh, refreshed. Oh,